What is hope? For believers, our great hope is in the God of the Bible, and this shapes how we view reality. We know how life is supposed to be. Through God, the unexplainable has explanation. This gives the believer hope. I'm your host, Aaron Miller, pastor of equipping at Grace Baptist Church in Santa Clarita, California. Welcome to the Magnify Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Magnify Podcast. Once again, joined with my very good friend and senior pastor, David Haig. Dave, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, I love doing this with you. This is great. We're uh, Every time we do this, I learn something. It's a new chapter of our friendship. <laughs> That's right. Well, this week, we are talking about hope. And Pastor Joe Keller did a phenomenal job preaching on this as a subject matter, but Uh, Many people, I think, accuse Christian theology of being so future-oriented that it doesn't allow Christians to be present in addressing current needs. Now, why would that misunderstanding or be a misunderstanding of Christian hope? Yeah, I think we got to understand where hope fits in to these foundations for faithfulness. I like to look at the first three that we've looked at, truth, biblical truth, biblical grid, and identity, what the Bible says about who we actually are in Christ. And the fact that we have been called not as individuals, but into a community, I, I think of those three things as, as really the roots of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. But what are the fruits? Well, I think the first one is hope. Mm-hmm. And I think the, uh, the idea that somehow we're, of, we're so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good, uh, really is misguided. In fact, I would go so far as to say that unless you have a theistic worldview, unless you understand that the reason there's something instead of nothing, because ultimately there is an uncaused eternal being who has brought everything to be, Hmm. Uh, you can't have hope. I've done quite a bit of reading recently in the whole idea of uh, materialistic naturalism, which is just a couple of big words that speak to the idea that has come out of the evolutionary hypothesis that everything can be explained by purely physical, chemical processes. That everything that is experienced, everything that is seen, touched, felt, or known, is a result of this random uh, collection of, you know, genetic material over millions and millions and millions of years. And the, the fact is then that if that's true, then there's been no design, that life has really no purpose other than happiness, uh, and that when it's over, that's it. There's no accountability on the other side. And I just think that is depressing. Right. I think the great hope that we as theists, we who believe in a supernatural being, uh, best understood as the God of the Bible, I mean, we can explain reality. The whole idea of apologetics gets us into the idea of, okay, what kind of world do we live in? Some of the great presuppositional apologists have said anybody can count, but only someone who believes in God can account for counting. What do they mean by that? Well, ask yourself the question, where does math come from? Mm-hmm. You know, can you explain math by a physical process? And, and you could say, okay, if all life on earth ended right now, would two plus three still be five? 
Now, I didn't make that up. That comes from Gavin Ortland's book, Why God Makes Sense in a World That Doesn't, which we'll talk about a little later. But the point is that my consciousness, according to Thomas Nagel in his great book, Mind and Cosmos, and he's not a believer, but he says, there are certain things that you can't explain, like math, like consciousness, like, uh, here's one. Why do we go to see movies or read books and inside we always hope there's a happy ending? Right. Why are we always, you know, we're in COVID. We're all hoping, aren't we? We're all looking to the time when we get back to normal. We're all hoping there's going to be a day when, when nobody has to wear a mask, where, where we don't have to, you know, duck and hide every time someone comes within six feet of us. What is it? Well, I believe that that is something that is intrinsically in our human hearts that is we we long for that which is going to be right and good at the end. I think that's that's part of what God has instilled that he's put a knowledge of himself in our hearts as humans and that's why we know natural law. Right. That's why we know it's as I say in my classes we know it's it's never right to eat your grandmother. Right. Now, I know that's shocking. Sure. If there is no God, there's no hope. If there is no God, we cannot explain right and wrong. We can't even have a, a coherent view of good and evil. And that makes life depressing and sad and meaningless. But since there is a God, we know that there are things that are possibly going to get better. We know intrinsically that there's beauty and that makes the the life of the believer much more elegant, mm-hmm. uh, much more hopeful. Right. And if I might go on and say, that's why Christians need to be people of hope. Uh, we cannot allow ourselves to be drugged down into the discouragement and despair and critical spirit and judgmentalism that we see all around us. We know, <laughs> we know what life is supposed to be. We experience it in the love and the awe that we have of Almighty God. And it is interesting how the world has to borrow from the Christian worldview and fabricate what I'll call a lowercase h meaning of hope that really only belongs in its root form from what the gospel provides us. And so what you see the world trying to convince people to stay positive, to stay hopeful, as it all then circles back around on itself like a vicious feedback loop um, in the solidarity of humanity. And it's just a cul-de-sac of insanity. It's it's just like we have to endure because we will endure because we must endure. Let's all hope that we continue to endure. And at some point, no one's raising their hand, asking the question, says who? Right. And I think to follow in on your, you know, your circular idea of insanity, we why do people want to stay positive? Because they think that's going to make their life better. Why do they need money? and want money and want to make money. They think it'll make their life better. One thing you learn when you go on vacation, you go on vacation and you think on vacation you're, you're, you're going to be a different person. But guess what? You still get tired. You still ache if you ran too much. Yet you still are worried about your kids back home. Mm-hmm. You go on vacation. And so that's an illustration of how our world wants to substitute for God something that we think is going to make us feel better inside. Right. But all you got to do is look at some of the the people who've had the most money. Uh, I was just shocked the other day when I read that the Miss uh, USA. I heard this. In 2019, at the top of her career, jumped off a building. 
Mm. Kate Spade, who makes these, you know, $50,000 purses for ladies, committed suicide. Uh, person uh, almost every day in the news, we see somebody who the rest of the world thinks has made it, sure. who has gained all of the things that are supposed to make life meaningful, sure. ending their lives. You think about famous comedians, some of the most depressing people yeah, in the world. Absolutely. And they're the ones projecting positivity and, well, the world's version of hope, right? Keeping it lighthearted. And yet there's something inside of them that when their head hits the pillow at night, they're faced with the same daunting questions that only the gospel can satisfy. I want you to interact with this, Dave. Ted Fence, who is a clinical professor at the Division of Cardiology at the University of Alberta, made this observation. Considering the past months of the pandemic as a whole, two emotional states seem to stand out above everything else, fear and hope. In what ways have Christians modeled hope in the face of fear, and in what ways have they not? Yeah, I think this is what I was alluding to uh, a few minutes ago when I said we Christians have to they have to keep their eyes focused on who God is and what he's promised us. And something you said in a lesson I just heard you teach that we we have to realize that what God asks of us is always for our best. Mm. And so we can have hope. And I I I do think a fair amount of Christians have gotten so worked up during COVID that they appear to be people who don't have hope. They are really concerned about government overreach, and and maybe we should be, but that doesn't. That's not where my hope is. Uh, it's not where my hope is if if I have to wear a mask or if I don't. I, I think what we need to say is this world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. That doesn't mean that I don't have some care and concern for the things of this world. I do. But why? Because the way I appear is how I bring glory to God. And so I, I, I think this uh, Dr. Fenske is true. Everybody is either afraid or are going against the innate sense of fear that we have mm-hmm. to say, okay, yeah, things aren't going the way I want, but my God is still in control. And my Lord is still on the throne, and God the Spirit still lives within me. And who I really am, and again, we get back to identity, who I really am is not somebody who's dealing with COVID as though that's the biggest thing in my life. Who I am is someone in whom the Spirit of God dwells. I am in Christ. That's the most important thing about me. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. He has guaranteed my eternal salvation, and he's promise that he'll never ask me to be or do anything that isn't absolutely best for me. And so when Paul says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice, he doesn't have a little asterisk there that says, except when COVID is sure. you know, upon us, or except when you don't know where your next meal's coming from. Mm-hmm. We rejoice. We are to be joyful people. You know, as, as you and I have talked about a lot, Aaron, when our unbelieving neighbor looks at us and they know that we are you know, we're in Christ and that we are Christ followers and that we believe that God is real and we have a biblical worldview, they look at us and they say, okay, if I accept your Jesus, if I adopt your biblical worldview, I'm going to get your life. And quite frankly, if you're a lousy neighbor, if you're a curmudgeon, Mm. if you are overly wrought about which political party is right and wrong, if you're, you know, if you're far to the left or far to the right or wherever you are, if that's become your identity, 
that's who they think Christ is right. going to make them. Right. I call it kind of the apologetic of not freaking out. <laughs> right. You know, that boy, that's either a hit song or a good book. <laughs> yeah, or a band. <laughs> or a band. So, uh, you know, let's just plainly ask and just consider, is it a sin for a Christian to feel hopeless? Well, I think what you do is you go beyond how they're feeling and you ask yourself, what are they forgetting? Correct. Right. And I, I right. you know, I think, I think we are all sinning every day in some sense in that we are unable to give God all the glory that he deserves. We are unable to feel and experience the awe that he deserves simply because, I mean, the great problem of Christianity is that we are redeemed souls faced to live out, you know, our, our redeemed life through as yet unredeemed flesh. Right. So the motives and the attitudes that we still have, you know, I, I mean, how many of us, if you really could uh, have a, an x-ray of our thought life, right. we doubt things, Absolutely. we get angry, uh, and those are the things that we need to grow our faith, our basis of knowledge, to be reminded more often of who God is. Yeah, it's interesting. There's no neutrality here. There's not like a neutral throttle in this. We will put hope in something. Yeah. Right. And that's just, that's part of the innate makeup of the Imago Day. And, you know, when the Bible says perfect love casts out fear, what does it mean? Well, I believe it means that the more you can love God, the more you can live with a mindset as Brother Andrew in his book, Practicing the Presence of God, right? Mm. If we push everything through the lens of who God is and get better at that, what we're going to find out is that there are fewer things that cause us great fear and panic. And, I, you know, I deal with this too. I mean, I've got kids, I've got grandkids. We've been, all of, all of us have been in third world countries where we didn't know anybody and we got lost in the streets. I can remember being in Nairobi, in Ethiopia, mm. walking down the streets and wondering, I, I wonder if anybody would miss me. We've all been fearful. Sure. And so when you ask, I want to circle back, when you ask, you know, is it a sin? I think it is a sin to allow ourselves to remain there and to feed on our fear instead of acknowledging, wait a minute, this is, this is demonstrating in my life a lack of, of true trust in the word of God that when he says, you'll never leave me or forsake me. Mm. And that when it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith works out patience right? And hope. And so, you know, most of the time we just don't, we don't start figuring those things out in time. Right. We misplace the hope and put it elsewhere. Yeah. 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 Well, brother, any resources you would recommend to our people? Yeah. I mean, I would, uh, again, I quoted from Gavin Ortland's book, Why God Makes Sense in a World That Doesn't. And he does a masterful job, um, arguing really from the four classic arguments for the existence of God, but instead of just being deductive and saying there is a cause and that's why we know there's something rather than nothing, he works backwards and he says the fact that there is something rather than nothing and that that means that somewhere there's an uncaused cause makes life meaningful. And so the whole book is about how understanding the reality of God and who he is and what he's done, and most importantly, what he's done in our lives through Jesus Christ, actually makes life more beautiful. 
Mm. It makes life more elegant. Uh, music speaks to that. Where did those notes come from? Chemical processes didn't create, you know, an, an A minor key. That was there. God has created all of those things, and he's given us the ability to discover them. You know, when Einstein said E equals MC squared, he didn't, that didn't come into being when he figured it out. It was already there. And so God has created all these beautiful, wonderful things that we can enjoy, and that makes our lives more hopeful, more satisfying, more meaningful when we see in beauty, when we see in math, when we see in science, when we see in uh, music, the fingerprints of the one who has created all this and said it was very good. Mm. And one day he's going to return to make it very good. Amen. And I think Gavin Ortland just does a, a monumental service to the church in his book, Why God Makes Sense in a World That Doesn't. And that's why he's the one true rock that is worthy of our ladder, at the ladder of our life being propped up against, right? Absolutely. It's, it's deriving from that which is ultimate. I would throw out there uh, Suffering by Paul David Tripp, which is a book on how to cling to the hope that we have in Christ in the, the face of tremendous suffering and sorrow. The other one would be similar. It's A.W. Tozer, Knowledge of the Holy. And so uh, the nice thing about Tozer is his chapters are like one or two pages, but you, you can just feast on that. And I would suggest that you, you know, you buy that and you read a chapter every day along with the rest of your Bible intake to continually inform your life and your mind that God is real, that God is holy, that God is good, and that God is on your side. Dave. Thanks so much, friend. Appreciate yeah, you. absolutely. I love this, Aaron. Thank you. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in to the Magnify podcast. Hopefully you'll be able to join us next time as we take what we've discussed today on the issue of hope and really massage it into the Monday through Friday life of some special guests. So stay tuned. Hope to see you next time. Okay.